Society. If you've got your Bible, I want you to take it. I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to make it hard on you this morning. 1 Thessalonians, but if that's real hard on you, just find 2 Thessalonians. It's right in front of it. 1 Thessalonians. We're going to start a series this morning. I'm going to spend several weeks talking to you about your soul. We're going to talk about soul care. Dear ones, I have got to get you to take better care of your soul. I'm going to talk to you about your soul for several weeks here. I want to help you. The Lord is really impressing on my heart. This is the area where we're suffering in our nation. Just go to Walmart and look around. And we need to take better care of our souls in this nation. Uh, this is sort of new and just a few years old. We've built a culture that is hell on the human soul. We've built a culture that is wearing the human soul out. And the problems we have in society is because we have built a crazy culture that's rough on the human soul. Now, before we can talk about your soul, you've got to find out what it is. One of the great mistakes people make in religious circles around churches, they use the words soul and spirit interchangeably. They are not the same thing. Your soul is not your spirit. People say, well, the Lord saved my soul. I, I'm not going to split hairs with you. No, he didn't. He saved your spirit. Your soul is being healed and saved over time. There's a difference between your soul and your spirit. I want you to learn the difference. We got to do that first before we can fix it. We got to learn it. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 23 says this. First Thessalonians five, 23 says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Don't get hung up there. Sanctify just means fix. Take us back to the great original condition. Put these words in there, make you beautiful. May the God of peace heal you completely. And look how he does it. May your whole, watch these words, spirit, soul, and body be perfected, healed, found blameless all the way till Jesus gets back. He who called you is faithful, he'll do it. The Bible tells me right there that my heavenly father wants to help me and heal me and bring me to a state of completion but he wants to do it in three areas. What are they? Spirit, soul, and body. What do I learn from this? My soul is not my spirit. They're two different things. Now you're, let me tell you, you're made up of three parts. You are a trichotomy. And uh, you, you don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. Man is a spirit being. And right here in the core of your being, you have something called a spirit or you are a spirit. Uh, there are three words in the Bible that you describe the word spirit. Uh, one is pneuma which is spirit. Then there's the word inner man or heart, cardia, heart. All three of those are the same thing. They refer to the inner man, the part of you right here. Now with your spirit, you can touch the spirit world. You can touch God with your spirit. You can connect with God, spirit, but you have to connect in your spirit because God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit. John chapter four. You can touch the evil spirit world with your spirit. They can touch you there. So we have a spirit. But listen, you have a soul. Your soul is not your spirit. Your soul is made up of your mind, your intellect, your emotions, and your will. Your decision-making. Psychologists would call it your personality. And then you have a body. You're housed in a body. And with your body, you touch the physical world. With your soul, your mind, and emotions, you touch the intellectual world. We go to school. You don't go to school for your spirit or your body. You go to school to train your mind. And with our, with our soul, we can touch music. Uh, we can be affected emotionally. It's with your soul that you watch Hallmark movies. It's with your mind that you think. You touch the intellectual world. You can touch the reasoning world with people. All right, you've got a spirit, soul, and body. He says, I want to fix all three of them. I'm going to be faithful to fix all three of them. Life is not right until all three work well. With your spirit, you need to touch Jesus. Your body needs to be healthy. But you, we're suffering from soul damage today. Our souls are suffering in this nation terribly today. Now, that's not how a psychologist would say it. A psychologist would say the mental health of this nation is terrible. So your mental health is in your soul realm. Emotional pain, anger, weariness, that's in your soul. That's the soul realm. And the Bible teaches that he wants to fix all of them. Now, what, what's the condition of our soul today? Let me just bore you for a minute with Harvard Health stats. Uh, Harvard Health stats say that we are in a mess in the soul realm today. 
mental health and emotional health. Uh, it is soaring in young people. Prescriptions for antidepressant medication have gone up 400% in the last 20 years. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to tell you the condition of the American soul. 25% of all women, middle-aged, are on antidepressant medication. What, have you, what is your nation doing to your souls? 25, that's not how many women are depressed. That's how many are on medication for it. One in every four women's taking antidepressant medication. I'm not fussing. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. But let's use it as a bridge to get healed. We need to get healed so we don't need it. Yes, that's terrible. Alcohol. Um, we had recently had this thing called uh, COVID. <laughs> Alcohol sales doubled. You know why? So we could stand to be at home with each other. That's what they tell me. I'm in Ray's Quick Snack one day, just me and him standing there talking. The fellow that owns it, Nick. Lady comes through the door. She busts through that door. She's mad. She went back there, got this case of beer, put it on the counter. She said, I'm going to kill him if I don't get something to drink. I said, I'll pay for it. You, you just go ahead. Go on. That, that, that's cute, but what are we doing? When did our souls get in this shape that we have to medicate and our counselors have a waiting list to get in? What is going on in the soul realm, the emotional and mental health realm? We've built a culture that's, that's damning our souls and hurting us mentally and emotionally. If you, you, don't, you don't believe hard of Harvard Health? Just go to Walmart. Stand there and watch people. Uh, go, out, go outside, go into public, make somebody mad today. Our souls are right there, just ready to pop a cap. How did we get like this? All right, we need help. The Bible said, I want to help you. I want to look, we're going to look at a passage. We're going to spend several weeks looking at it. I want to take you to the great passage on soul care, where Jesus said, if you'll let me, I'll help you. It's in Matthew chapter 11. I want you to turn with me, and I want everybody to, I want you to learn these verses. I want you to focus on them for a couple of weeks. I really think you should memorize these and meditate on these, because if what Jesus says in these three verses is true, there is health and healing for the human soul. You don't have to live stressed. You don't have to live under pressure. You don't have to come home wore out at night. People in America talk about how hard they work. We don't work hard in this nation. If you put on roofing, you work hard. If you dig ditches, you work hard. But if you go to work dressed up, sit in a cubicle, you don't work hard. You work stressed. It's not physical tiredness. It's stress. It's mental fatigue. It's emotional stress. It's wearing people out. If what Jesus said here is true, you don't have to live like that. And this is, now listen, you say, what, what's this got to do with God? I thought I was going to talk about God in the Bible. <laughs> Who created everything there is? Dear ones, he cares about you. Let's say it again. Spirit, soul, and body. And I'm going to show you in a minute where if these two don't work right, this one can't work either. They're interconnected. All right, let's read Matthew. I love this passage and I want you to love it too. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me. Come to me in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. All you who labor and are heavy laden. What's heavy laden mean? Stressed, worn out. Laden is the word, Greek word for load. Before every truck takes off, it has to have a bill of lading. What's on your load? Jesus said, is the load heavy in your life? Uh, are you labor means are you struggling in life? Is life heavy for you? Jesus said, come to me. I will give you what? Rest. Now the rest there doesn't mean rest like go take a nap this afternoon. That's the word restoration. If your soul is frazzled, come to me and I'll heal it. I will restore your soul. How many have ever heard this? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He restores my soul. Jesus will heal your soul. He'll fix the emotional and the intellectual part that's worn out. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you, follow, in other words, follow me, and learn from me. Look at those words. Why don't we learn from Jesus? Life would be so good if we'd learn from Jesus. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Listen, he's not, God's not rough on people. He's humble. He's gentle with people. I'm not rough on you. And you will find what? You'll find healing for your soul. Listen, follow me. You'll have a healthy soul. Follow me, you won't be stressed. You, you won't be weary. You, you won't be under a load. 
If you'll follow me, you'll find a rested soul. And then I love verse 30 that says this, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's anybody can bear a burden if it's light. Now you say, but there, there's a problem here though. Jesus went off on preachers many times. And one of the places he really got on preachers about, you can look this up sometime. This is Matthew chapter 23, verse four, when he, he really got on preachers and he was mad at him and said, woe to you. He said, because you bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders. You make life so hard on people. And he came down on preachers because you make life so hard on people. Jesus don't make life hard on people. Jesus wants to heal your soul. And his yoke is easy. His burden is light. You can enjoy your life if you'll come to him. But what does it say? Learn from me. Let me teach you how to live a comfortable, easy, light life. All right. Um, again, we're going to focus on these verses for a few weeks. I want you to believe what Jesus said right there. Dear ones, he said, come, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call on Jesus, your soul will be safe, your spirit will be safe for all of eternity. But if you'll come to Jesus, your load will be lifted and your emotions can be healed and your mind can find rest. All right, I'm gonna ask you four diagnostic questions that'll tell you the condition of your soul. Four quick questions. And this will tell you where your soul is. Maybe not today, because we all have rough days, but over the last few weeks or months, maybe, I'm going to ask you four questions, and this will tell you the condition of your soul. Number one, are you happy most of the time? I mean, you don't have to stand up and say it. Are you happy most of the time? All right. Are you lighthearted most of the time? You just... I see people, and life is so heavy on them, it even shows in their shoulders. You just see the heaviness on them. You, you, you weren't designed to live like that by your creator. You need to be lighthearted most of the time. Number three, are you excited about life? Did you wake up every morning going, best day of my life? This is the day he's made. Are you looking forward to stuff this summer? I am. And how many of you looking forward to the great day? Don't worry, it's not today maybe. I ain't getting up next load or nothing. We should live excited about life. You say, in these times, that's why you need to come to Jesus. And one more, do you feel deeply loved by God and rest in it? Those four questions will tell you the condition of your soul. If there was a no in there anywhere, we got some work to do. That, that, that's called normal following Jesus life. Now, we all have rough times. Well, I have sad, but we should be happy most of the time. You should live your life lighthearted, you should just be, if Jesus' spirit's in there, you should just live so excited about the next thing. And you should be, you just should just waller in the love of God. Waller. It's a good Greek word, waller. <laughs> Jesus said, abide in my love. Just waller in it. All right, now let me teach you something. You can only enjoy your life and you can really only help other people out of a healed soul. When your soul is damaged and weary and worn out and frazzled, you can't enjoy your life and you're not going to help many other people. Can't help other folks much. I want you to look with me at this great passage in the book of 3 John. I love 3 John. I found this in there one day and I said, glory to God, it's on, Bubba. The preachers are wrong. The church is wrong. They're all crazy and Jesus is wonderful. How many of you know Bible trumps religion? Every single stinking time. One of my problems is I'm getting so free, preachers are having trouble with me. Oral Roberts, I love Oral Roberts. I was reading his biography some time back and uh, Oral was just a, a young preacher poking along and he found this verse one day reading. He hollered for his wife. He said, Evelyn, come in here. He said, read, read this verse right here. She, he said, when did I get in there? She said, Oral's been in there 2,000 years. He said, I read this verse. It changed the entire course of my life. He said, that verse is true. And he said, if this verse is true and God's who he says he is, I'm going to do this different. And this verse changed his life. Of course, you know the effect he had. Third John 2 says this. 3 John 2 says this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Who said that? What does all things mean? Is that your friendships? Is, does God want you to do well in your friendships? How about, is that your marriage? Get this great God out of the Sunday morning church house. Take him home with you. Take him work with you. Does that mean he wants you to do well in your work? Is that all things? Does he want your yard to look nice? 
Does he want you to enjoy your life? I mean, what is, I want you to do well in everything you do. And what does he say next? <clears throat> and be in health. Does your father want you to be healthy? How many of you want your children to be healthy? This ain't hard. As, and look at this, as, let's read the third one, as your, just as your soul prospers. Do you see the inverted order? Tell me which one has to come first. It's actually written backwards, but which one comes first? Until your soul prospers, you won't enjoy health and then you won't prosper in everything you do. What's the first thing that has to happen for a person to do well in everything? Your soul has got to get fixed. Your soul has, can you see that he has created it? You say, what, what's this emotional health thing got to do with life? Look at it. Until my soul is healthy and doing right, my physical health's going to be terrible if I don't get my soul health right. And I'm not going to do well in my marriage, my work. I'm not going to enjoy my fishing. Until my, you can't enjoy your fishing when you're mad about everything. Any good. This is the verse right here that says, I can't enjoy anything in life till my soul's fixed. And I'm not going to be a benefit to anybody on this planet when my soul's burned up, frazzled out, mad. I got to get my soul fixed. I met a guy years ago. He was a medical doctor. And as a young doctor, he became fascinated at the connection between the mind and the body. And he said, I had patients that were sick, but there was, no, there was nothing wrong with them. And he said, the older doctors in front of me, they just wrote him a prescription, gave him plastic, you know, sugar pills and sent them on their way. Yeah, I became fascinated that, and he said, I, if I'm not mistaken, he said, I think half of what I dealt with was psychosomatic. It means there's nothing wrong with you biologically, it's in your head, but it reflected in their bodies. And so he, he gave up regular doctor and he went to Vanderbilt University to become a research doctor and professor. And I read some of his books and we connected and he came to came visit me here. We were sitting talking and he wasn't a particularly spiritual man, but he's a God loved him dear. They're one of the nicest guys. And he was fascinated that what he discovered in his research was in the Bible. And I began to show him stuff like this, that the body is tied to the mental health and, uh, and that real happiness. I said, I said, there's even, and he told me, he said, you know, we discovered that showing cancer patients, certain old comedy movies actually helped their cancer. I said, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. He said, where's that at? I said, y'all just catching up with the Bible is what you're doing. Dear ones, can you see that all three are connected? Your body, your spirit, your soul. I've had people that tried to pray through things. They didn't need to pray. They needed to go rest. There's if your soul's broke, prayer don't fix your soul. If your foot's broke, pray all you want to. You better get a cast on it. Unless you got the gift of healing or you got that great faith. But dear ones, we have got to learn to take care of our souls. All righty. Now I'm going to do, Jesus said this, come to me, learn from me, and you'll have a great soul life. Jesus, don't, he doesn't just save you eternally. He'll save your soul in this life and he'll give you a great life. So here's what I want to do. We're going to take a little time. I'm going to run through some things this morning. I'm going to give you a few things that I see in the light. Jesus said, come to me. Now, before we do this, let me ask you a question. How many of you believe Jesus lived the perfect life? Now, I think what you heard me say was he lived a sinless life. He did. He was the sinless son of God. He couldn't have been a sacrifice. Jesus did more than live a sinless life. He lived a perfect life, which means this. He lived the way we all want to live. If you study the life of Jesus carefully, nobody can come away saying, unless you say, the way that man lived is the way I want to live. Did you ever see Jesus in a hurry? Did you ever see him upset? Did you ever see people jerk him around? Did you ever see him depressed? Jesus took great soul care of himself. He was the model life. And that's why he said, learn from me. There was a study of the life of Jesus to see what great soul health looks like. And I've learned so much from Jesus through the years about how to live. And let me throw this in. Very little of it is spiritual. Jesus did more than read the Bible. I don't know that he ever read the New Testament. He did more to go to church. Matter of fact, he rarely went to church. But he was the revelation of God life and what it should look like. And I don't care if you're not religious at all and you don't believe in God. You look at his life, you've got to say, that's the way to live right there, Bubba. That man had a great life. Let me tell you what I've learned from Jesus. Several things. Number one, slow down. 
slow down. First thing you need to do in your life, you're going to have a healthy soul is slow down. I don't know what's happening in this culture. We have lost our minds. Where we move at lightning speed, some people call it the rat race, and we're actually proud of it. I'll ask folks, how you doing? I'm busy, busy. Where are you going? I don't mean this moment. I mean, where are you going in life that you have to run so fast? We are nuts the way we live. And this pace we live at is killing our souls. God didn't create you to live at the pace most folks live at. You need to slow down. Um, what pace did Jesus live at? Do you ever see him looking at his watch saying, I'm late and tearing out the door? You say, well, he didn't have to put up with what I have to. Let me point something out. He was the most famous man in the whole world. He was the most in-demand person on the planet at the time. What do you think would happen if we had a man today that could do what he did in the earth? Every, not only did everybody he touched get healed, he healed them all. Everybody that could get their hand on his clothing was healed. What do you think would happen in this land if we had a man like that? That's why he would often say, keep a boat ready lest they crush me. I mean, the whole world was chasing this man for what he could do for them. And, and he, Jesus didn't feed 12, he fed 5,000 men. Huge crowds chased this man. You never see him move fast. What, you, what we don't read in between the miracles is the lifestyle. Let me pick, for instance, starting out in the book of John, you find Jesus at the Jordan River and he's teaching about life. And then all of a sudden, verse 43 says this, but Jesus wanted to go to Capernaum. So he took the boys with him. And then all of a sudden you see him in Capernaum in the Bible, which is where he turned water into wine. It's the first miracle he worked. You know what you didn't see in there? When it said in, in uh, John 1, Jesus wanted to go to Capernaum. What you don't see is it's a three-day walk. And so after teaching here at the Jordan, three-day walk, Jesus took the boys and they walked for three. You never see Jesus ride anything in the Bible except one time. He rode a donkey into Jerusalem one time. Every other time he walked everywhere. Jesus walked miles and miles and miles. And he would walk and uh, at night they would camp and they'd sit around a campfire. And if you ever notice in the New Testament, many of the great conversations where he talked with his disciples and taught them happened where? Around that campfire. It was in Matthew 16, we're sitting around a campfire one night. Jesus said to his guys, what are people saying about me? And this one said, some say you're Elijah reincarnated. The other one said, some say you're a prophet. Jesus said, what do you think about me? And Simon said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you're right. But it was around that campfire. You know why they could do that around a campfire? They weren't watching Chicago PD. You never see Jesus in a hurry. He moved at a set speed. People screamed for him, demanded him, but you could never speed him up. He moved at the speed of God, which is a healthy speed, and you need to move at that speed too. I would encourage you, slow down. Number two, let me just say, before we go to number two, what would happen to your life if you slowed down? You say, I'd make some folks mad. How are we getting there? Good. Number two, simplify. You need to simplify your life. We've gotten so complicated. When did this happen that a mother has to get up, jump out of the bed, throw them egos in the toaster, get her mascara on, get them children out of the bed, get them dressed, get them to school, run, pick them up, get them to dance, get them to softball, go back to PTA, run home, clean house, fall into bed exhausted. We're nuts. And you wonder why we're in the hellacious mess we're in? Wonder why we're snapping at each other? I'm going to tell you, there was a prophet one time named Waylon Jennings. He wrote a song and he it says this, this successful life we're living's got us feuding like the Hatfields and McCoys. Maybe it's time we got back to the basics of life. We're moving too fast. You need to simplify your life. Get some of the junk out of your life so you can enjoy it. Once again, Jesus, let me tell you about the life of Jesus. Most gifted man that ever lived, he lived the simplest life you've ever seen. Jesus didn't do but a few things in life. John 5, 19, I only do what my father shows me to do. But at the end of his brief life, guess what he said? I have finished everything he sent me here to do. And Jesus enjoyed his life immensely only doing a few things. The man who has affected humanity more than any other man in world history except Jesus is Paul the Apostle. What he wrote, half the Bible has affected humanity more than any other man. And when he was, he was a pagan, 
Then he became a religious man. And then at 30, he converted from religion and began to follow Jesus. And in, he wrote a book called Philippians. And in chapter three, he's struggling with why am I on this planet? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? And he, he said, I, I want to find out why I'm on this planet. I want to do what I was put here to do. And he said, I found it and I'm reaching for it. But I want you to listen to what he said in verse 13. One thing I do. This man learned to get the excess clutter out of his life. Focus on a few simple things. Listen to me. You're far better off to do a few things well than do a bunch of things at breakneck speed and be frazzled at the end of the day. Simplify your life. Find out what's important. Get the junk out of it. Go easy on yourself. If you'll do this, it creates something in your life called margin. The secret to enjoying your life is to have margin. You say, well, this meeting will be over at 2.15. I can be there by 2.30. You're nuts. What if you want to pull into the sit-go and get you a diet ginger ale? You ain't got time to breathe. What if you walk outdoors and see a flower and decide you want to stop and look at it a minute? You ain't got time, do you? Excuse me, you don't have time, do you? You ever notice the speed Jesus moved at? When did he do most of his teaching? Uh, Luke chapter 11, he's walking along one day and he says, uh, look at those flowers. Not a flower ever opens that my heavenly father doesn't cause it to open. Not even Solomon was dressed as beautiful as the flowers. And then he turned and he said, if he closed the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, don't you know he'll keep closing on? Don't you know he'll meet your needs? He took a few more steps. He stopped. He said, look at the birds. And he said, you notice how they don't have tractors, warehouses, combines. They don't sow or reap. He said, look, I think he said, look how fat they are. He said, my father feeds every bird. Not a bird falls to the ground. He doesn't see it. And then he turned and he said, do you not know that you are more valuable to him than all the birds in the world? If he feeds the birds, he'll feed you. Where does teaching come from? He lived pace slow enough to just walk around and look at things. Uh, you, you, need to get the, you need to pare your life down. You need, to, you need to cut it down. Simplify your life so you can enjoy it. All righty. I'm going to throw number three in here for free. You need to learn to properly pronounce a word. Sometimes, especially in my part of the world, we pronounce things funny, don't we? Well, you need to learn how to pronounce the word no so people can understand it. Jesus was so good at the word no. I've heard, I heard a preacher say this one time. Preachers are pretty goofy at times. He said, Jesus never turned away anybody to ask for help. What Bible are you reading out of, Bubba? Jesus constantly turned people away. Uh, Luke 12, 14. One day a man, and a man came to Jesus and said, please settle a family dispute for us over the inheritance. He came and needed counseling with Jesus over the inheritance. And verse 14, and Jesus answered him and said, man, who put me in charge of your mess? Look it up. Who made me a judge over you? Turned and walked off. Jesus knew how to say no to things. And you're going to have to learn how to say no. You say, well, people be disappointed. Yeah, but you'll live. We've got to learn how to say no. One of the funniest, I want you to learn from this man how to live. Mark 135. That they're in the middle of a, I'm just let me quote it to you. In the middle of a tremendous meeting, Jesus, the Bible said his fame spread wildly. And people were risking everything to get near this man. They were dragging sick people. They brought the demoniacs. They, everybody just... They almost killed him trying to get to him. And they're right in the middle of this. Apparently they got to sleep one night. Bible says in Mark 1, 35, Jesus rose early in the morning and went and hid in a quiet place and departed to a lonely place. Next verse says they all, so the boys wake up and they said, the whole, everybody said the crowd's here, it's time to get going. They said, where's Jesus? Simon goes back to his bedroom or wherever and he wasn't there. Simon said, he's not here. James said, where's he at? He said, well, you know how he is. They couldn't find him anywhere. He didn't come back. So the Bible said they, they began to look for him. They went searching for him. Where did they go looking? Well, Simon found him. And Simon found him, verse 37, 8, it said to him, Master, everybody's waiting on you. I think he was a little irritated, but you know, you don't fuss at God much. And he said, everybody's waiting on you. We got the, you know, you got your eight o'clock appointments. Everybody's waiting. And Jesus said, I don't think I'll go back. He said, I want to go to another town and talk to somebody. And he just walked off. 
He did not let people's whims dictate his life. Quit letting people tell you what to do. Live for an audience of one. Live for one voice. And he'll, listen, if you let God run your life, listen to this. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You won't be running fast and frazzled. You need to learn to say the word no to folks. Smile at them. Don't be mean. But learn to say no. Listen to me. It's not how many things you do in life. It's how well you do a few things. Number, number four. I'm going I'm to have some fun here at your expense. Unplug. You need to unplug. I don't need any other way to say it. Just you need to unplug or you need to tone it down. Do you know there was a reason? Let me quote another one of them verses nobody ever reads out of the Bible. Luke 5, 16 about the life of Jesus. But Jesus himself would often, guess what the word often means? Jesus would often withdraw into the wilderness by himself. How can a man that's that busy has the most important message ever delivered to humanity? The whole world's on his doorstep. How is it that he just wanders off in the woods all the time? What's wrong with him? But he did. He just wandered off in the woods all the time. Withdrew into the wilderness often just to be by himself. Jesus unplugged from culture. And I would encourage you to do the same. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you ever thought about this or not. We have 6,000 years of recorded human history in the Bible. We've been around for a long time. Humanity has. You ever thought about this? For 5,900 plus of those years, this was a quiet earth. The earth was quiet till just recently. About 75, 50, really 50, 75 years ago, the earth got real loud. We got real noisy on this planet. Up till just a few years ago, this was a quiet planet. My grandpa, as a young man, when he woke up in the morning, there was no TV playing. There was no music. Guess why? They want no electricity in that mountain house. And uh, he took his time. He ate breakfast with Ma, ate good. He went outside. He farmed all day. No roar farm machine. It was quiet. Everywhere he went was quiet. Came in the evenings. It was quiet. They ate. They didn't turn on the TV. Want one there. They went and sat on the front porch after dinner about every day, I understand, and just watched the sun set over the mountains there. If they had music, it's because he picked up his banjo. And that's how people lived up to just recently on this planet. This was a quiet earth until just a few days ago. And now we, we live in a racket-saturated culture. One of the reasons people are on edge is because there's too much noise. Let me tell you something with the Bible. It's 4610. Be still which means get quiet on the inside and you'll hear me speak. You know why people can't hear God today? Too much racket in the earth. You say, I keep waiting for him to speak. You're, you're missing it, doc. Did you not hear the birds sing as you went out this morning? Yes. Too big hurry, weren't you? You didn't slow down when you stepped out the door and just stopped and watched the sunrise early this morning. It was a hoot. God was talking to you, but you was listening to somebody, some racket. This we got a, we got a, Tone the volume down. I'm just going to be real honest with you. Is this good for your soul to have all this racket around you? I've had it. I've, this poor, wore out, frazzled soul has had all the racket it could take. Shut up. I need me some quiet. If I want to hear something, I want it to be healing to my soul not ragged. Even religious music nowadays. I used to have hair until I started listening to religious music. <laughs> we need to unplug. We call it the information age and we're proud of it. You're nuts. Do we really need this much information? How's it doing us? Um, <clears throat> I unplugged years ago. I, I've never been on a Facebook or a tutor or whatever the things are, Insta thing, and I've never done any of that. I used to limit myself to news five minutes a day. Uh, a while back, I even cut that out. And uh, somebody said to me, well, how are you going to be informed? And I said, about what? <laughs> my son, my son. Boy, I hear a father's heart when I hear him say, my son, my son, attending to my word, it is life to those who find it and healing to all their flesh. It'll heal your soul. Listen, if you're sitting out there feeling sorry for me because I don't know what's on uh, the news or Instagram or something, don't worry. I'm doing good. 
I decided, do I really need to know what some 30-year-old bartender who wants to turn this into a communist country, do I really need to hear what she's got to say every single day? You know what I've decided is better for my soul? I've decided that G-O-D is better than A-O-C for my soul any day of the week. You're going to clap over that? I'm just telling you to hear the voice of God is better than hearing anybody else's voice. And he speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet, but sometimes we can't hear him because all the racket. But you know, you, if you'll hear him, you'll hear the bird. You say, what a bird's got to do with God? What's the sunrise got to do with God? Listen to me. The heavens declare the glory of God. There is no language where he does not speak day after day. God's talking all the time and his voice is healing. It heals your soul, but you got to turn the racket down so we can, <laughs> it was, I want to make an announcement. There is life after techno. Yes, sir, buddy. And I don't, I don't have to have Jack to get to Jesus. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Number five, let me tell you what I really learned from the life of Jesus. I, you, you're like making all this up. I'm getting all this straight from the man, Jesus. This is his life. Number five, you need to get outside. You need to get out of the house. I want to point out again, for 6,000 years of recorded history, 5,900 plus years, people lived outside. It's only in recent years that we came indoors. Only recently we came indoors. Uh, 1915, 65% of people in America that worked, worked in farming. It took 65% of the population to feed us all. Today it takes 4%. You know what it means if you worked in farming? That means you went outdoors all day. Two thirds of the population lived outdoors till just, and not everybody lived out there till, till just that time. Um, I heard this recently and I thought, this is nuts. This is crazy. The American, average American today, if you're middle-aged today, will spend 96% of their lives indoors. 96%. Where you breathe recycled air, everything you touch is artificial. If you live to be 75, you'll spend 71 years cooped up in a house. And then when you go somewhere, like from the house to the mall, you ride in a coupe. That's why we call them coops. And you cooped up in there with the windows rolled and you're still breathing recirculated air. I, I just sat, sometimes I just look around and go, what the heck's going on? I'm in Okeechobee, Florida week before last. And I'm, I came to the little crossroads about lunchtime, 75 degrees, sunshiny day. I just look around, there's about 30 vehicles and about 10 horses. And, I, and every vehicle there except mine had the windows rolled up. Beautiful day like that. You got the windows rolled up? Okay, I heard what you just said. If I rolled the window down to mess my hair up. <laughs> Listen to somebody that loves you that's trying to heal your soul. Get you another hairdo. <laughs> Change your hairdo so that the wind don't bother it. If you can't afford to breathe fresh air, because you want to impress somebody, your soul is in need of repair. Get your hairdo that you can stand to be outdoors with. Look up here and let me suggest one. <laughs> Dear ones, you have got to get out of the house. Let me quote again, Luke 5, 16. Jesus often, often withdrew into the wilderness to be alone. God will meet you out there. I've told you that most of his teaching came from walking around outdoors and, uh, and seeing things. Matter of fact, I don't know if you ever thought about this or not. This may stretch you a little bit. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where he went inside to sleep. He may have, but uh, Luke chapter 21 tells me this, verse 37, at times he would teach in the temple during the day, but even when he taught in the temple, he was under an open porch, Solomon's portico. But in the evenings, he would go to the Mount of Olives. Ain't no hotels on the Mount of Olives. Ain't no houses up there. Jesus just slept outdoors. I'm starting to like this following Jesus more and more. The man lived outdoors. I'm going to show you why. I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but let me, uh, let me show you something. Turn with me to the first page. Genesis chapter two, maybe the second page. Let me teach you something about your heavenly father perhaps you've never thought of before. Uh, Psychologists, I mean, excuse me, psychiatrists tell us that the mental health of children has collapsed in the last 40 years. 
terrible of what we've done with children in the last 40 years. And they've got various reasons. I'll, I'll just tell you what the reason is. Uh, when I was a boy back, I told you Mr. Lincoln was in the White House. When I was a boy, 40 years ago, 40 plus, 50 years ago. And uh, we never looked at a screen. Our thumbs were not big. Mama's favorite line was, get out of the house till supper time. We played in the creek. We climbed trees. We played cowboys and Indians. I've never shot anybody in my life. I know that's, I know it's terrible. If you're woke, I'm sorry. We played cowboys and Indians. Bam, bam, bam. We had play guns. We shot rubber arrows at each other. We had great mental health. My generation did great. We are killing our kids today with this lifestyle we've created. Yeah, listen, we broke our arms. We skinned our eyes. We got stung by bees. We got hurt. We got in fist fights and we lived to enjoy it. All I'm saying is get out of the house till supper time. You went inside for one reason. You were sick. All right. I don't know if you've ever seen this or not. Look at me in Genesis chapter two. <laughs> Genesis two, this is where God created man. I created man, his crowning achievement. Genesis two fifteen. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in a condominium. Does it say shopping mall? When God created man, when God created man and knew how he should live, where'd he put him at? In the woods. Don't think vegetable garden, it meant outdoors. God created man, put him in outdoors and said to him, what? Enjoy your life. What's the first thing God ever said to man? Be fruitful, do well, enjoy your life outdoors. Where did we mess up here? What? I was listening to a fellow recently. He was bragging that he lives in New York City. They call it the Big Apple. I would call it the Big Turd. I don't know how in the world. <laughs> Send me a note. <laughs> Old, dirty, loud, and even the people up there talk about how hateful they are to each other. Talk to me. And he said, it's great. He said, I live in the same building that I work in and shop in. I never have to go outdoors. I said, it tells. It can tell. So I, you said, well, you're an outdoorsy type. God is an outdoorsy type. Okay, you don't have to move outdoors. You don't have to sleep in the woods. That's fine. But could you at least say, we're not going to sit in here and stare at that box all day. Get your shoes on. We're all going for a walk somewhere. Sell your electronic equipment, buy your bicycle. This is soul care. Let me tell you something. You won't prosper till your soul's taken care of. You can't even have good health till your soul is taken care of. Um, I, I may have ever heard of um, Psalm 23. You're Psalm 20, 23rd Psalm. Probably the most famous passage in the Bible except John 3.16. Many of you can quote Psalm 23. I bet you I can show you something there you've never seen before. Turn with me to Psalm 23. I want to show you something you've probably never seen in there before about your soul, your emotional health, your mental health. Uh, David was a man who struggled greatly because like Jesus People were after him all the time. And David writes very clearly in the Psalms about how his soul suffered. Matter of fact, in one of the saddest Psalms ever, and he said this, nobody cares about my soul. No man careth for my soul. And you see his soul struggles. But let me tell you what Jesus did for David. God restored his soul. I want to show you how he did it. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Literally, it says lack. If you're a lacking good emotional health or mental health, He's your shepherd. He wants to fix you. Now I want you to read this with me carefully. Watch this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. <clears throat> he makes me to lie down in a shopping mall. He leads me beside a computer screen. No. He makes me to lie down where? Where's the only place you can find a green pasture? <laughs> Outdoors. Where's the only place you can find still waters? What's the next line say? He restores my soul. Don't you find it interesting that to heal David's soul, he took him outdoors? You're going to read about a man next week, one of the greatest men that ever lived, greatest prophets that ever lived, and he, his soul got so screwed up, he prayed to die. He said, just kill me. I want to die. And God didn't fuss at him. He didn't tell him to pray. He told him to get outdoors and go walk and talk to me. Then said, there's healing for the soul outdoors. Uh, let, me, let, let me give an idea. Turn your TV off, take your shovel out back, dig your hole in the ground, call it a fire pit, build your fire and sit out there and watch it burn, talk to each other. 
And when it burns out, look up at the, look up and let God preach to you. The heavens declare the glory of God. And, and watch it. You say, well, there's so much racket around my house. Move. I know the whole world can't move. You can. Move. So I love being near things. I like being near God. I like being healthy. I like waking up enjoying my life, not saying, oh, crap, what today? I like having a great life. All righty. Let me, can I throw in one more here? Number six, be kind to yourself. What has happened in this religious circle that to be hard on yourself is spiritual? It's not spiritual. If you treated other people the way you talk to yourself on the inside, you wouldn't have no friends. Why do you beat yourself up? Because you didn't, you made a mistake. Show yourself some mercy. Let me show you one of the greatest verses in the Bible. It's in there 17 different times. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1 or 2 Timothy or 1 Thessalonians. Just let's take 1 Timothy. It's in there 17 times. A lot of people blow right over this and they miss one of the greatest messages God ever gave somebody. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And again, this is in Romans. It's in 1 and 2 Corinthians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy. It's in Philippians. It's in Galatians. It's in there 17 times. Same verse, 17. I may even know if you said something to your child 17 times, you'd want them to hear it. Read this with me, verse 2. 1 Timothy 1, 2. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus our Lord. This is the only man that ever stood in God's throne room and came back to talk to us. And when he got back, what message did he bring back from God? Grace, mercy, and peace. We blow over that verse. It starts every one of the epistles. And uh, what's the message? What's God going to bring into your life? What's he going to give you? Peace, rest. What's he going to give you? Mercy. You say, I screw up so many times. Show yourself some mercy. God shows you mercy. Why can't you? So I don't deserve this. That's called grace. Be kind to yourself. Let me point, I don't know if you knew this or not. The reason some people are so hateful to other people, guess why the Bible says? Because they hate themselves. Hateful people hate people. Hurt people hurt people. I want you to listen to what Jesus said about that. Love God with all your heart, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. You can't love your neighbor until you start taking care of yourself. One of the reasons people are so angry with other people is they're so mad at themselves on the inside. Do you get your soul fixed and start loving yourself and taking care of yourself? That's when you start loving and taking care of other people. Jesus said it like this, freely you've received, now freely give. You, you start showing yourself some mercy, you'll start showing other people mercy. Give yourself some grace, you'll start pouring grace all over people. When you see people that are coming down on people all the time, they're coming down on themselves in private. Show yourself some mercy. I give you permission to be nice to yourself. All righty. Can I throw in one more? You know I'm going to. The Methodist ain't him out yet, y'all. Come on. We don't need relief. We don't need relief. We need restoration. We don't need relief. We need healing. Uh, Everybody's going after relief today because of how stressful times are. You don't need relief. You, Jesus didn't promise to give you relief. He said, I'll heal your soul. Let me tell you the difference. Relief is in medication. I'm not against medication. I recommend you take it if you need it. Son of it'll help you get fixed till you can get fixed, take it. But medication doesn't fix you. It helps you get down the road a little bit. It gives you relief. Alcohol. I told you alcohol sales doubled during COVID because of the stress. Well, alcohol will give you some relief. How many of you know that you can go from being depressed to wasting away in Margaritaville in four drinks? You can. I'm not fussing about it. God bless you. Don't, don't drive. But that's relief. That doesn't fix the problem. It doesn't heal your soul. It's just relief. And uh, for all, all of you Baptists who said amen, amen. You ever heard of comfort food? Why do you need comfort food? Oh, so you're going to come down on the alcohol crowd, but you're going to eat like a pig, make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> Comfort food is temporary relief from stress. Dear ones, may your whole spirit, soul, and 
comfort food is fun for five minutes and then you have hell to pay for 30 years on it. I'm not knocking comfort food. I'm just saying it's just temporary relief. And then you got gas and bloating and you feel bad. All this stuff we do to find some relief, pornography, binge watching. Yeah, you can get some relief. You can get out of reality for a minute. It doesn't heal your soul. We don't need relief. We need healing. Jesus said, I will restore your soul. Jesus restores the soul. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They won't get a temporary buzz. They'll mount up with wings like an eagle. They'll run and not be weary. They can walk and not faint. That's not talking about your spirit. That's talking about your soul realm. It's talking about your health, emotionally, mentally. And uh, normal is to live restored. Jesus said, I've come that you might have a wonderful life. All right, I'm, I'm going to quit for the day. We're going to look at this for a few weeks, but uh, let, me, let me share. You say, Brother Brian, you, you're right. I see what you're saying. Or I see what God's Word's saying. But can I remind you of something? You don't need a slight tweak. You're smart enough. You'd have done that. To change your life, Jesus said, what did Jesus say? If your life, if it's rough and it's tough, he said, follow me, come to me. Well, dear ones, you can't follow Jesus with a minor tweak. Following Jesus is a radical thing. It, it requires radical adjustments. Did you ever notice, for instance, first time, Mark chapter one, Jesus was walking by the seashore. Guess where he did all his business at? God's sanctuary is outdoors. And Jesus walking by the seashore, he sees two fishermen. He said to them, remember, follow me. Verse 18, they left their businesses. They quit their jobs to follow Jesus. That was a radical adjustment. You're probably going to have to make some radical adjustments to have the life you want. Look right here at your friend, your preacher. It's worth it. You might have to make some radical adjustments. Uh, I'm starting out. I'm 20-some years old. First church in Siler City, uh, which is where Jesus will be coming back one day. And me and Katie live in there. And I met this fellow. We played basketball together at the school. He's a little older than I was. And one of the neatest guys, he was the plant manager of the big plant in our town. And uh, he ran the plant there. And he was just the neatest guy. Let me tell you what he did. He was 30-some years old. And he ran this big plant, put on a necktie every day and went to work. Who came up with the idea of putting a leash on a man is beyond me. I guarantee it wasn't another man talked to me. I hate a necktie. I was talking about him one day and a lady said, well, when you get to heaven, ask the man who invented him why he did it. I said, can't happen. He didn't go. <laughs> All right. And he put on his necktie and he went down and he managed about 300 drama queens and their problems all day long in this plant. Stressful, stressful job. It was the, you know, he got the dream job. It paid a big salary, got a big house, yada, yada, yada. The American, you call it the American dream. I call it the American nightmare stress and aggravation. But that man made a decision. I think he was in his later thirties and he said, this is nuts. Quit his job, took off his necktie, moved back to the family farm and decided to be a cowboy and raise cows. And he did it the old fashioned way. He did it on horseback, not in pickup horseback. And uh, he told me, he said, I'm going to tell you something, son. Managing cows is a whole lot easier than managing people. I said, I'm with you, Bubba. And I know two things about him. We're old now. He's, still, he's older than me. We're old now. Let me tell you two things about him. Number one, he hadn't made near the money that he made. Matter of fact, he lives in a trailer. Hadn't made near the money he was going to make if he'd have stuck around and been miserable. But that boy has enjoyed his life. And he's been fun to be around. Can I get a witness to have a good life? Sometimes you have to make radical decisions. Preacher friend of mine, he came to this city to preach. He pastored a church here. And he was one of the nicest guys. He was really too nice to be a preacher. You know what I mean? Had the sweetest wife. She was very gentle. And I, I was a little concerned about him when they moved here because I thought both of them was really too nice for this line of work. And sure enough, after about three years, he, just, he said, I've discovered that old hymn's true. God is great. Beer is good. And people are crazy. He said, I got to do something. He said, I prayed all I can pray. He quit his job. Quit the ministry. Quit the ministry. <laughs> Took a job as a plumber. He'd been doing that for about 10 years now and he's got the best life. Yeah, he didn't quit the ministry. He's in the ministry. Loves Jesus. Talks about him to people. 
he decided rather than blow my family up and myself up in this crazy life, I'm going to start ministering to my family and take care of them. And of course, he won't get any awards from being a big time minister. That man's going to enjoy his life and his children will rise up and call him blessed. Can I get a witness? Sometimes you might have to do something radical. Yes, so we might, have, we might better get the show on the road. You, 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 may, you can't just say amen. You got to do it. You got to do some things. You know, get outdoors. My daughter and a dear friend of hers that we love dearly, they were down at uh, Emerald Isle a few weeks ago and she sent me a note and said, guess what we did? We got up early this morning. We went out and we went to this place. We were trespassing, but it was okay because nobody was up. <laughs> and we sat out there and we watched the sun rise over the ocean. She said, it was gorgeous. She said, it was so wonderful. And I thought, happens 365 days a year. Happens every day. He shows off every day. And for those, <laughs> for those of you who can't get up, can't think about getting up that early, it does it on the west, other side every evening. <laughs> Question. When's the last time you sat and watched the sun set all the way down until the stars came out? When's the last time you did that? Turn off uh, Chicago PD. I clear, I believe for your soul, watching the sunset would be better than watching people cuss and swear and sleep with somebody they ain't married to and hate each other. I, just my humble opinion. Your life. All righty. Here, here's, I'm ready for, here's one, you know, sermon's supposed to wrap up with a great statement. Are you ready? Life is too short to endure it. You need to enjoy it. Your father puts you on this earth to be, a, to be fruitful, alive, flourishing. You need to enjoy it. Do whatever it takes. Oh, I'm going to quote it one more time. If your life is hard and life is hard on you, come to me. I'm gentle. I'm humble. You'll find rest for your souls because my yoke's easy and my burden is light. Do it. All right, I need to give you a piece of wisdom here. I'm Watch. It means I'm done. <laughs> you ever been sick, gone to a doctor and him gave you a prescription? How many of y'all ever done that? Oh, gosh, you got a healthy crowd here. All right, your doctor can diagnose your problem. He's smarter than I am about it. He's smarter than you are about it. He can diagnose it. He can tell you what to do. Guess what he can't do for you? He can't go home and eat it for you. <laughs> 10, 12 years ago, I had to go have some heart tests, you know, treadmill and all that stuff. And a heart doctor there, he, he ended up coming to my church. He's a pretty nice guy, but he didn't have much of a, what they call a bedside manner, which I didn't care. I just wanted to know what he's doing. And he got done and he looked at stuff. He said, well, I got... Bad news and good news. He said, the good news is your heart's great. He said, you're just fat. That's exactly what he said. And uh, I said, couldn't you put it in a medical term? He said, all right, fatosis. Whatever you're going to call it, it's fine by me. <laughs> and then he took out his prescription pad and he wrote me a prescription. I thought, hey man, eat me a pill. Sit on the couch, watch it fall off. Look at that girl. There it goes, mama. <laughs> Please turn off that late night TV. And he wrote me a prescription, handed me the prescription, and on the prescription pad it said, tennis shoes. He said, get this filled on the way home. All right, now listen to me. He's an expert. He diagnosed it on the money. He knew something I didn't know. And he gave me the right advice. Guess what he could not do for me? He couldn't come to my house and put him on a walk. Did somebody say walk? Run, son, run. You don't need to walk at this age. He couldn't go run for them, me and them shoes. He could fix me but I had to do it. Listen to me. God loves you. He cares about your soul. He died so you could have an abundant life. If you'll come to me, he'll teach you, but you got to make the decisions. It, Jesus can't turn your computer off for you. He can't turn your TV off for you. He can't dig no hole in your backyard and build you a fire. You got to do that. He can't go buy you a bicycle at Academy. You got to go do that. He can't tell your boss. Remember that famous Johnny Paycheck him? Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. <laughs> now make sure you're taken care of or I'll have to write you a check. Make sure you're taken care of. A teenager told me one time and through tears, I wouldn't care if I didn't have all this stuff. I wish I had my daddy at home. It ain't worth the stuff. It's about life. Whatever you got to do to get your soul back intact and to do your life, enjoy your life and be a blessing to folks, do it. Lord Jesus, I love you. You lived the greatest life ever lived. You, nobody can look at your life closely and not say, man, I wish I lived like that. You lived the most beautiful life that ever existed. 
Your word said you came to reveal the Father. And I praise you that you showed us how to live. You laughed. You had a few friends that you loved dearly. You walked with them. You camped with them. You ate with them. You taught people. You, you, you saw nature. You heard the Father speak outdoors. You lived the greatest life. And you look at how we're living now in this land all cooped up. Help us. Not everybody can fix everything, but you can show us how to take care of our souls. So we come to you. Your word says you are the great physician. And uh, I think a lot of our blood pressure, heart disease, all this physical stuff, it'd be fixed if we got our souls fixed. Even medical science is telling us that now. Restore our souls as we listen to you. I trust you for that. I like to see my children doing well. Your word says I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. And I pray for these children right here that their lives will be restored and they can walk in truth. I give you the praise and glory for your goodness. Strong name of Jesus, I pray.